The History Channel Original Podcast. League of Legends, Counter-Strike, Street Fighter. These video games are also battlegrounds. Gamers from across the world now come together to compete in multi-million dollar esports tournaments. In 2015, Madison Square Garden sold out for a League of Legends tournament. But in 2004, esports don't exist yet. There is competitive gaming, but there's little structure to it. Tournaments are typically organized on forums online, and pretty much everyone already knows each other. At one tournament in Southern California, hundreds of gamers are crowded into a college building for the semifinals of Street Fighter III Third Strike. Two of the greatest players in the world are neck and neck in a heated battle. When one makes a move so brilliant, the crowd goes insane. Today, Evo Moment 37, an incredible feat of skill caught on camera before video game clips are widely available. And we got to speak with the two players involved, Daigo Umehara and Justin Wong. In the early 2000s, Street Fighter isn't as popular as it once was. When Evo Moment number 37 happens, it brings the game into the mainstream and revives the franchise. So how does the moment come to be? And why does it have such a huge impact? Sports history this week, August 1st, 2004. The moment that changed fighting video games forever. I'm Kalen Jones. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In the late 1990s, arcades are still a thing. You remember the colorful rooms that already smell like popcorn, big neon lights flashing, it might have the Attack from Mars pinball machine with red and orange UFOs flying out, or the Space Invaders machine with a huge monster on the side. Justin Wong certainly remembers. They got the old school retro stuff like Pac-Man, Galaga, right. racing games, Galaga, DDR, yes. all that type of stuff, right? <laughs> but fighting games was definitely the most popular thing. As a teenager, Wong gets up early in the morning and goes to his local arcade, Chinatown Fair, before anyone gets there. So I can just kind of play by myself and figure stuff out. His favorite game is Marvel vs. Capcom, Clash of Superheroes, a game that pits famous characters from, you guessed it, the worlds of Marvel and Capcom. A match might be between Wolverine vs. Mega Man or Captain America vs. Morrigan. One morning, Wong returns to Chinatown Fair and strangely, it's packed. Way more people there than usual at this hour. 
then I asked, like, why is everyone here? This is so new. They're like, oh, we're going to a tournament in New Jersey called East Coast Championships 5. And they're like, do you want to go? Wong has never been to a tournament before. But he's like, sure, I'll check it out. So he goes to New Jersey and competes in two games, including his favorite, Marvel versus Capcom. He plays against new opponents. It's an adrenaline rush he's never felt before. I kind of got hooked. I wanted to go to more tournaments, check out other scenes and like play more different people and try to get better at fighting games. But the competitive fighting game community is not very big and is getting even smaller. There was a big flash of interest in the early 90s with the release of Street Fighter 2, but since then, interest has faded. Newer games are geared less towards casual fans and more towards hardcore players. They were dying. It got to the point where it's like, there's obviously less entrance, more people couldn't afford to travel. As in, travel to the tournaments. There was just less motivation. It got so bad that video game studio Capcom even says the Street Fighter series may be over. The studio has been releasing games nearly every year since 1987. And then in 2000, it just stops. Maybe this is the end. While the fighting game community may be small, it is mighty. There's a tight-knit core of players like Justin Wong who gather on websites like shoryuken.com to talk strategy and plan tournaments. Hey, we're having a tournament here. If you want to come out, here's all the information. Obviously, we're not rich kids, so we would get a hotel room and we would have like 10 people in that room just like bunking up. <laughs> By his late teens, Wong is going to as many tournaments as he can and winning a lot. He was just absolutely destroying everyone. This is Glenn Cravens. He's written a book about esports. That's how he got his name out there because he was just winning and winning, winning. In 2002, Wong enters the Evolution Championship Series, or EVO, in Los Angeles, California. EVO was the largest event. It was the toughest tournament to date. At just 16 years old, Justin enters to compete in Marvel vs. Capcom 2, his new favorite game. He uses his signature approach. Instead of throwing the first punch, he lets opponents come to him and waits for them to mess up. You know how like with Mayweather, Mayweather is a defensive boxer. Right. That's kind of what I did like majority of my life is playing so defensive, reacting accordingly, punishing every offensive attempt from the opponent. That's a good visual for me, like seeing Floyd Mayweather, like just, it seems like, you know, he's letting the other opponent be offensive and he won't take a hit. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the strategy works. He gets first place in the 2002 EVO tournament. Cravens calls Wong a prodigy. It's just the way he can just dominate the game and just make you say, well, oh, yeah, you have no chance. <laughs> and we got to appreciate these athletes while we can because we're never going right. to see this type of generational talent ever again. The next year, Wong comes back to Evo and wins again. He's establishing himself as one of the best players in the U.S., I think the reason why I wanted to become the best was because 
it was just so intriguing that there are so many different play styles out there. And I love learning. I kind of want to prove that like, I think my way was the best way. It's July 31st, 2004. Evo is back. And so is Justin Wong. The whole tournament will take place inside a school building at California State Polytechnic University in Pomona in Southern California. We're in a big room full of flickering TVs, consoles, and tables. When the doors open, hundreds of people swarm in, smiling, running. It felt gigantic. It felt like the biggest tournament I had ever seen. I guess I'm sure it was the biggest tournament that I had ever seen at that time. This is David Graham, who would later become a commentator at Evo tournaments. For now, he's one of 700 players to register for the competition. Another, Justin Wong, who signs up to battle in four different games. So the goal was obviously to win as many Evos possible, right? Of course, that includes Marvel vs. Capcom 2, the game Wong's most known for. But it also includes another one, a more controversial game, Street Fighter 3, Third Strike. When the game came out in 1999, it was not popular. Not even amongst the dedicated core of fighting gamers. Many think it's boring, hard to master, and overly deliberate. It also adds a controversial feature that allows players to parry opponents. A parry is basically a counterattack. So when one fighter punches, you could block, or you could parry at just the right time, launching your own attack in response. Some view the parry as a baby's toy, a mechanic that'll save you if you can't block or get out of the situation otherwise. Third Strike doesn't get much traction. But then in 2002, Evo holds an exhibition for the game, and Japanese players show American gamers like Justin Wong how intricate and interesting the game can really be. You can do all sorts of combos and launch crazy-looking parries. Japan destroyed us. Literally destroyed America in Third Strike. It was like no <laughs> contests whatsoever. And, you know, to them, it was such an amazing game. We saw it from that perspective at 2002. After that, Third Strike becomes way more popular. It was like a huge comeback story. Wong is set to compete in this game in EVO 2004. The only problem? The favorites to win are all Japanese competitors like KO, Rao, and Daigo Umehara. So obviously I know that Japan is still is still at a huge level gap compared to America and Japan. Right. So I really wanted to like try to beat Japan. Wong's been training hard. And by the 2004 tournament, he thinks he has a real shot. At the time, I was the best player in Third Strike in North America already. The EVO tournament begins, and Justin Wong starts mowing through his opponents. By the end of day one, he's undefeated. He advances to the top eight in third strike, the playoffs. August 1st, 2004. Day two of EVO. Spectators file back in to watch the playoffs in nine different fighting games. The matches are projected on a big white screen for the audience to watch. 
Of the top eight competitors in Third Strike, only three are Americans. Most assume one of the Japanese players will be victorious, as the nation credited with showing what's possible in Third Strike. Game one. Wong actually loses. In many tournaments, that would be the end. Luckily, this is a double elimination tournament. He's got another shot, and he quickly bounces back. He goes up against Kokujin, and then Rao, or Toru Hashimoto, the favorite to win this year. He's winning. He's winning. He's winning again. Oh my goodness, he's winning again. He just beat one of the best players from Japan. Oh my goodness, he's one winner away from getting to grand finals. Justin Wong knew he was ready to play third strike, but many others were surprised at how dominant he is. For Justin to do what he did and survive all the way up until the top three was I mean, absolutely incredible. Justin Wong is just one win away from the grand finals. But to get there, he'll have to beat Japanese competitor Daigo Umehara. David Graham. Daigo had long been considered one of the best players or maybe the best player in a host of games um, for many years at that point. What made Daigo so good? What made Daigo so good is a great question that I felt like if I had the answer to, then I would do it. <laughs> so um, I'm not I'm not 100% sure. Graham says it's hard to say because part of Umehara's brilliance is his unpredictable style. He thinks out of the box in terms of how he can find a solution. He is fantastic at knowing how to exploit weaknesses, at finding solutions as well. To learn about his side of the story, we actually got to speak with Umehara himself through an interpreter. My name is Daigo Umehara. I'm a professional fighting game player. This is actually a voice actor who's reading from our translated interview with Umehara. I feel like I've always taken fighting games seriously from the very beginning. Daigo Umehara has already won EVO tournaments before in other games, but never in Third Strike. Maybe this is his year. He has been playing very well. He's picked his fighter, Ken, a versatile character who can hit for big damage, to go up against Wong's Chun-Li, a character great at avoiding attacks and punishing opponents' aggression. In the Chun-Li versus Ken matchup, it's an uphill battle for Ken, so I always felt like my only option was to try to overwhelm him in one fell swoop. Wong and Umehara sit down at a linoleum table These are two of the best gamers in the world, but they rarely go up against each other because they play different games. Now, hundreds can follow along in a high-stakes matchup for the Evo crown. A fan yells, get him, Daigo. This matchup between the two, it wasn't in grand finals, like it wasn't at the very end, but it was a big, it was a big one. We knew that it was a big match. Are you ready? Go. The characters Ken and Chun-Li appear on a cartoonist stage of a subway station. Ken is tall and muscular with blonde hair and a black belt. Chun-Li is a female character with spike bracelets on either wrist, long white boots, and huge shoulder pads. As the match begins, both players go about their usual strategy. Umehara on the offensive. Wong, defensive. Umehara takes the first round. Wong, the second. Round three is a tiebreaker. 
The two players avoid each other. Umehara's fighter Ken goes in for the attack, but misses. Wong uses his character Chun-Li to land a kick and move into a super attack. It hits, draining a third of Umehara's life. After that, Wong is willing to wait it out. He stalls. Umehara looks frustrated. Rare footage of Daigo actually angry. It's not common to have live tape of a match like this. Video game tournaments are not broadcast on TV. Plus, it's just hard to find video game footage in general from that time. Lucky for us, folks in the audience are actually able to record with personal camcorders. The match continues with Umehara's character Ken nearly dead. He attacks, but Wong blocks him. It looks like he has this one in the bag. Now on the verge of putting Daigo down, one nothing. I was in a position to like win the game. Wong lands a crouching kick, bringing Umehara's health bar to nearly zero. Any damage will kill his opponent. In a match between two of the greatest gamers alive, it looks like Umehara has no shot. But then he does something unbelievable. He pulls out a move most don't even know is possible. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Fans are packed inside a big room in Southern California with camcorders pointed at a big screen. With 27 seconds left in the round, Wong's character Chun-Li stands in the middle of the stage. He wants to end this game. So, he launches his most powerful attack, his super. A beam of purple flashes across the screen. The crowd seems to be on Wong's side. His character Chun-Li shoots over the Umehara's fighter, Ken. The super is a series of 17 kicks that would total for massive damage. Umehara has very few options in response. The way that game works, blocking would have caused me to lose. A little damage would still come through the block, and he's already at nearly zero health. Jumping wouldn't have provided a solution. My only option in that situation was to parry. The parry, remember, is a counterattack, something that both defuses an attack and allows you to go on offense yourself. The idea that a player could parry every hit in a 17-kick super, that's not a thing. The rumor was like, oh, the super 
you can't parry. It's um, it's impossible to parry. It's too many hits. So so I, that's what that's what the thought process. I'm like, yeah, you can't parry it. So I'm golden. I'm good. I'm gonna win right now. Wong launches his character's super attack, but to his surprise, Umehara's Ken throws up an arm and parries. The next kick from Wong, Umehara parries again. Three, four, five kicks. Parry, parry, parry. It's totally super 17 hits, and you have to accurately tap the correct direction every single time. Something like three sixtieths of a second command over and over and over again. Umehara can't afford to miss even one parry. Glenn Cravens. It may be a mistake, but he's doing Even if it's still a one in a one million, one billion shot that he has to pull off. Chun Li throws a high kick and Ken is still squatting, holding out an arm to parry each one. 10th, 11th, 12th. It's just surreal to witness and to understand exactly what happens. The crowd is roaring, but some are still holding their breath. David Graham. Some of the players who are next to him, who are also in the finals, also some of the best players in the world, they actually don't cheer because they know that at any point, Mm. you could drop it. You could screw it up. And then after a while, I'm like, I'm still alive. It's okay. And then I see him (laughs) jump, right? And I'm like, wait, what's happening here? And he jumped and he parried the last hit from the air. So he gets the ultimate punish because he'll get the air attack into the, to the ground attack. And then that took everything, all my life away. And everyone just starts going crazy and wild. Unbelievable. All the Americans betrayed me. It's over. <laughs> to Wong, it feels like the crowd has turned on him, supporting Umehara now. Or they're just excited at the impossible move. The person behind the camcorder looks away from the stage. The audience holds their hands in the air. Some look awestruck. Daigo Umehara has just beaten Justin Wong from nearly zero health with a mind-breakingly difficult move. The funny part is Japan, they're like, yeah, he does this all the time. So to them, it's normal. But to us, it was like, the craziest thing in the world. Yeah, it's like someone doing like a crossover for the first time in like the 1950s with the basketball. Yeah. It's probably mind-blowing for them. <laughs> <laughs> for Umehara, the moment is bizarre. He says crowds don't go crazy like this in Japan, but it is fun to feel supported. Even though it was an away game for me, in that moment, everyone was on my side. That made me happy. The crowd cheers for what feels like an eternity. Fans just witnessed the, quote, greatest moment in EVO tournament history. As the camcorder video comes to an end, it fades out to the words, you had to be there. It somehow feels like the 2004 tournament should just be over now. But it's not even the end of the semifinals between Wong and Umehara. Glenn Cravens. What's funny was they immediately went back and clicked the characters and went back to the game and just won the next round. Umehara would end up winning the semifinals against Wong, 
but losing in the actual finals. The Daigo Perry, as it's come to be known, is all anyone can talk about. And it was caught on video at a time when that's rare. The tournament organizers know they have something special. They said, okay, let's turn this into kind of something. And not just a hype moment, but almost like an advertisement in itself. It was kind of like, wow, if you were not at Evo, you just missed out on something incredible. So tournament organizers take the video off their camcorder and prepare it for the internet. They call it Evo Moment 37. No rhyme or reason, just... I was going to say, why did they pick 37? (laughs) Yeah, it was just no rhyme or reason, it was just a number. A couple days later, the organizers uploaded to the internet. Boom, there it was. Like, when I went to a different tournament for a different game a week later, I was asking, like, hey, did you see this thing? The video starts to spread. People in the gaming community began recognizing Umehara and Wong for the special moment. It's sort of a slow growth at first. That is, until 2006 when the full clip of Evo Moment 37 is uploaded to a new thing called YouTube. And it explodes. Esports commentator and competitor David Graham. We couldn't believe that it was in the millions of views. Like, that was an incredible number. People loved it. Evo Moment 37 takes the internet by storm. It turns out other people were videotaping the moment, too. They upload their own versions. In one, you can hear people telling Wong not to launch his super attack, assuming that he might try it. I think it really took a couple years for it to settle in on all of us that it was as much of a phenomenon for other people as, as it was in the fighting game scene itself. Graham says there are a lot of reasons this video blows up. It looks cool. It sounds cool. It's a comeback story. The crunch factor of it, right? That it was in Evo, that it was in this high-pressure situation. The reaction from the fans is intoxicating. It shows people what higher-level gameplay looks like. By this point, YouTube is gaining popularity. From the site, the video is easy to share. Soon, it isn't just fighting game players who are watching it. I started meeting people who were joining the fighting game community because they had seen that moment and thought, wow, that's so cool, I want to do the same thing. Remember, in the early 2000s, the studio behind Street Fighter, Capcom, had been considering ending that series. It had already released 21 versions of the game by that point, and there was clearly less appetite for a new one. But then, Evo Moment 37 happens. It really catapulted fighting games to a level of competitive gaming that it hadn't been before. It was... The reason why we probably survived. Capcom begins production on a new game, Street Fighter 4. Wong credits Evo Moment 37 with keeping the community afloat until that comes out. I think of it as that moment held us down. Like it gave us like extra time <laughs> for us to survive until the next fighting game came out. There are countless think pieces about how important this moment is to the world of fighting games. One headline reads, How a Perry Saved Street Fighter. Others called it one of the most famous moments in competitive gaming history, and even the beginning of esports. As the years go by, the moment lives on in new ways. 
Nike's released an Evo Moment 37 shoe. It's a mostly white sneaker with blue accents, which are Chun-Li's colors. You can also see Chun-Li's spike bracelets where the shoelaces come out. A remastered version of Third Strike also allows players to practice the Daigo Parry in training mode. It even shows up in Japanese anime. Today, the full Evo Moment 37 video has been viewed well over a hundred million times. Daigo Umehara told me he didn't realize how viral the moment had become until a year after it happened. But it does eventually help him. That moment is what helped me gain worldwide recognition, which led to me becoming Japan's first pro gamer. In 2010, Umehara landed a sponsorship deal allowing him to make his living solely on gaming. He's widely considered the nation's first professional gamer. And even though he lost, Justin Wong says he'd have it no other way. Let's say if Evil Moment 37 didn't happen and I won against Daigo in 2004, then the scene wouldn't be as big as, as it is now. So I guess take that from that perspective. Like if I had a time machine, I wouldn't go back in time and just ruin that moment for everybody. Nowadays, Justin Wong is still a competitive gamer. He's also a streamer and has become known for getting Daigo parried by every rando he plays against on the internet. Here he is during a live stream. No, my no! Oh my god! Recently, Street Fighter VI came out. Wong's been playing a lot, and he's ready to play Daigo Umehara again. I hope we get to play Street Fighter VI. Uh, I know he's playing it a lot. I'm also playing it a lot. So, yeah, I hope we get to play each other. Umehara says he's ready. Thanks for listening to Sports History This Week. For moments throughout history that are also worth watching, check your local TV listings to find out what's on the History Channel today. Other notable sports stories that happened this week? 1996. Nigeria beats defending world champion Brazil in football. It's a critical victory on their way to a gold medal in the Olympics, a watershed moment for African football. And 2013. New York Yankees superstar Alex Rodriguez, or A-Rod, is suspended from Major League Baseball for using performance-enhancing drugs. If you want to get in touch, feel free to email us at sportspod at history.com or leave us a voicemail at 212-351-0410. Special thanks to our guest, Glenn Cravens, author of Evo Moment 37, one of the most famous moments in competitive gaming history. David Graham, gamer, lawyer, and Evo tournament commentator, Daigo Umehara, professional gamer, and Justin Wong, professional gamer. Thanks as well for support from Greg Moore, Shitaro Yoshino, Keith Wilcox, and Chino Imao. This episode was produced by Cooper Katz McKim, story edited by Julia Press and me, Kalen Jones, and sound designed by Isaac Lee. Sports History This Week is also produced by David Ingber. Our associate producers are Emma Fredericks, Hazel May, and Jonah Buchanan. Our senior producer is Ben Dickstein. Our supervising producer is McKamey Lynn. And our executive producer is Jesse Katz. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Sports History This Week wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next week.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Copyright 2023 A&E Television Networks, LLC. All rights reserved.